This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper and the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 542 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, April 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by a slew of amazing baseball minds. We're starting with my regular co-host, Justin Mason. And Justin, what's up? I am beating you in Tout Wars. Enough of that. Next up is Jason Collette. Jason, how are you? I am not beating you in Tout Wars. You're damn right. I'm not, beating mo- I'm not beating most people. In Tout Wars. In fact, I'm only currently beating Rob Leibowitz in the AL Tout Wars standings because uh, most of my team is hurt, especially my higher price guys. Get it together, Rob. We're in first place. Um, And finally, but not least of all, in fact, most of all, I could could get rid of these other two guys in a second because we have Ian Kahn. Ian, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. I'm not in Tout Wars at all. Not yet, sir. Not yet. That that is that would that would be a, a a great thing. Looking looking forward to that one day. You know what? That's it. I'm ta- I'm kicking myself out. You can have my team um, <laughs> only if I lose to stupid Justin Mason. Because obviously I'm no good at fantasy baseball if I lose to Justin it's Mason. Like within eleven points in, in on on both sides, it's going to come down to Sunday. Apparently, it is going to come down to Sunday. It's all right. Johnny Cueto is going to throw a perfect game. It'll all be over. Oh my god! I'm going to knock Speaking on some wood. It's going to get ugly. <laughs> <laughs> would you guys in a theoretical and this is nothing not asking for fantasy advice for my own team would you use david price johnny cueto or nick pavetta today for your final start nick pavetta johnny yeah. cueto. justin david price you guys are help <laughs> helpful real helpful and that was by helpful i mean you're worthless pieces of shit labor <laughs> oh, torres is called up I've uh, been waiting for it. You know, I, I know the the new the notification that everyone's waiting for next is Ronald Acuna, but this is a pretty big one. Let's start with Ian, the Yankees fan. Yes, we still have him on. That's how good of a guy he is, is despite being a Yankees fan. He's worth having on thrice. Is this your third time or fourth time? I think this is my fourth time, yeah. Maybe my, my, what, what, when you say thrice, like what's the four of that? I don't know. What's, what's... Thrice. I think it's thrice. Um, no, but I, I don't know. It's my first time this season – um, so I'm really debut. excited. And Glaber. Yeah, it's Glaber's debut. It's your debut coming at the same time. Uh, I think it's quite fitting. What do you think? What do you, obviously, you play a lot of Dynasty Leagues. He's already owned in those le- You know, he's already on a roster somewhere. You're not really considering him there. But in redraft leagues, how big of a deal is Glaber Torres coming up? 
you know, it's he's in a 15-team league. He's probably already owned, probably in a 12-team league because of the hype around him and the prospect around him. He's probably owned. Um, if he's not owned in a 12-team league, he's worth getting in a 15-team league. I just don't know what kind of 15-team league does, it doesn't have him owned, but he is definitely worth being owned there as well. You know, he comes up with shortstop eligibility. He's going to get that second base eligibility as well. He might even get third base eligibility. I think he's going to hit. You know, I think he's going to be. Uh, He's hitting down in AAA, um, and I think that he's going to come up. Um, Tyler Wade has lost at second base. Neil Walker is an annoying disaster. Um, and so having Glaber Torres come up is very exciting, you know, and uh, it's Glaber Torres Day, and hopefully this will be our starting second baseman for the next uh, five to ten years. Justin, I think uh, Ian has it right, where a lot of 15-teamers are probably going to have him on a roster somewhere. Um Obviously they'll you know they'll be going crazy for him if not. But what kind of fab percentage are you are you looking to use on Glaber Torres in the ten or twelve team league where he's available? Zero. Is that I, right? I, I do explain. I don't think that Glaber Torres is a uh, good enough fantasy prospect, uh, especially this early on in his career to warrant being picked up in 10 or 12 team leagues. I think this is a lot of prospect type. I think uh, he has got a bright future at second base, and I think at some point he will be uh, a top 10 second baseman in fantasy. But he has no real standout tool. Uh, His power isn't developed yet. He isn't particularly fast. Um, I just don't see him being super viable in shallower formats. In 15-team league, AL only, if he's still out there, go ahead and put a bid on him. I know he was he's available in my Invitational League, and I'm sure someone is going to spend a lot of money uh, on him. It's not going to be me more than likely. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's going to be viable. Interesting. You know what, Jason? Sit tight for a second. Ian, do you care to re- rebut that? You know, I'm looking at my twelve, one of my t- my twelve team league that I play in, and I'm looking at who's on the wire here. And if you're telling me that Nick Ahmed or whoa, 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 let's not get the name of Nick Ahmed in here, okay? Take Tim what? Beckham is gonna okay. I better fantasy value moving forward. I disagree with that. I do understand what what Justin's saying in terms of his. Um, you know that he's not he's not like Mateo where if Mateo was coming up you knew you were going to get you know four steals in a week or something like that sure however he's the, the one tool that Justin's leaving out on this is his hit tool his hit tool is quite excellent and he is going to hit I, I you know he could struggle but he's worth I mean you in a 12 team league if I like I've got our Orlando Arcia who's just stinking it up and now injured so if I was looking to fill that spot with Glaber Torres, I would go with 18 to 20% of my fab bid to cover that spot. Okay. Okay, I think that's fair. And to that point, uh, he's hit 290 in the minors plus Arizona Fall League. Uh, beasted at the Arizona Fall League, 403, 513, 645, and 76 plate appearances there back in 2016 with three homers, four stolen bases. Has a couple 20 stolen base seasons, Glaber Torres does, but he had he was caught 14 and 13 times in those. He obviously has no real idea what he's doing on the bases. He was just allowed to run for some reason. Jason, um, where do you come out between the two there, between between Ian and Justin? Um, do, do you land firmly with one or the other? Or you, in between, how do you feel about Glaber Torres? 
I'll, I'll take sides of both of those arguments. I agree in shallower leagues, I'm not going to chase him and spend the money other people are. I mean, he's he will hit for average. I don't think that's a, a doubt. And if uh, one as the as the Yankee lineup takes further shape, the run should be there for him. But run production, as far as driving him in, stolen bases, I don't see any of those areas helping out. Uh, and so I'm looking at him as a possibly two category guy at peak value right now, uh, and so that really limits where I'm going to chase him uh, for that. For obviously in a in an only format going to go hard after him because the playing time is going to be there in a 15 team format i'll go at a decent rate but once we get to 12 and 10 i'm 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 more tepid on him okay well there you guys are and uh, glaber torres definitely someone who will be uh having a lot of money thrown at him and um i understand why you don't maybe bend over backwards to try to get him but i, I definitely lean closer to to ian on, on the hit tool and and the idea that I agree that there's no super standout skill and he's not fully formed, but still think he could be a game changer. So I can't go zero. Can't, hey, can can't, I go? Can't do that. Did he, did he, breaking news unrelated to this, though? Uh, sure. Delano DeShields is back off the disabled list. Uh, and the Renato Nunez. Uh, yeah, the dentist. Sorry, I should. Dentist why did I returns. even forget that? Uh, dentist is back. And then uh, Renato Nunez is not the guy going down for him. Uh, because he is in the lineup as is kind of Falefa, um, so was Profar. So I'm kind of trying to look at how they're going to, you know, what's the roster move here. But didn't they send Ryan I only Rua bring down? this up? Probably, probably because he's uh, not in the lineup today. One of the things I would, uh, I only bring this up because this is one of those rare occasions when the player came back before everybody said he was going to come back. Oh, yeah, that's Only right. because I'm constantly trashing this. Uh, he's back ahead of schedule. I mean, they were talking six weeks, and he was back in three. It's now, probably we'll that advanced medical degree he got for dentistry school. <laughs> there had to have been some crossover there, because I feel like you study some some stuff a little bit outside of the teeth. So when he was studying that, he figured out some things about the hand, kind of probably did some rehab for himself. If, Although, if you, if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine a couple of weeks ago, I mean, is dentistry even a really a real doctor? I mean, come on. it's I you, tell you don't go to medical school? I wouldn't. Tell, I wouldn't. I'm I wouldn't just, let Delano know that. Well, that's great. That the he's open back. of that I'm last really... week's show was great, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite show on television. It's really good. I don't. I just don't watch it, and I have a problem with not watching great shows. Anyway, Ian, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, going to skip over that one. Sean Manaya with the no hitter yesterday against the Red Sox on the bench of every daily league team, without a doubt. Um, obviously not every, but, but very, very many, uh, very many, I don't know, a lot of them, uh, because why wouldn't you, right? Sean Mania, you know, solid pitcher, definitely has his backers for, for, for breakout potential and all that. But again, if you're in a daily league, you're allowed to kind of pick and choose your spots. I can't imagine that anybody that didn't forget to set their lineup, uh, willingly left Mania in, goes out, has the no hitter Ian. Your general thoughts on Sean Manaya on the heels of this no-hitter? Is this a springboard for a breakout season, or are we still dealing with kind of the same guy here with uh, with, with the lefty out in Oakland? I mean, I, I, I'm that crazy guy because in my daily league, I have Sean Manaya and I hey, pitched him last night. By all means. Yes. That's, that's awesome. Because I, I, just would, I, because I, I definitely think I would lose out on that one. No, because of the ballpark, but also if you look at what he was doing already over the course of the season against the, you know, his first start of the season against the A's, seven and two thirds, seven strikeouts, one earned run. Against the Rangers, eight innings, one earned run, four strikeouts with a win. 
he didn't. He is yet to struggle. He he has been dominant all season long. Um, his slider last night. I happened yesterday was my birthday, so I was able to just sit and watch as much baseball as I wanted to watch. And I watched the last three innings of that game, and he was just unbelievable. I, I you know, Manaya is he was a top prospect, first round pick. He was the yes. time the top twenty prospect in baseball. Came up his first season and was showed flashes of this, and then struggled the next couple of years. Um, well, but last year was health, I think. You know, because he was showing greatness That's last right. year too, and then and then the health really kind of bit him. So. I, I think that that's the one thing that's always going to be constant. I mean, this goes back to his college days. I don't know about his high school days, but, you know, Sean Benaya could have been maybe like a top five pick had he not consistently gotten hurt at Indiana State. There was just too much worry around his health. And we've seen those health issues crop up. But, you know, I think we could be seeing a 26-year-old breakout here. There is, you know, one thing where I would love to see him really boost that strikeout rate, right? I think there's some swing and miss stuff there, yet we've kind of stuck around uh, under eight. Now that now the strikeout rate is up this year. This is why we use strikeout rate because it, if you look, his strikeouts per nine for Sean and I go, has gone down from seven nine to seven four. Yet the strikeout rate has gone up three ticks because he's walking a lot fewer, and that's why strikeout rate's better. But uh, is there strikeout per inning stuff here, Ian? Yeah, I mean, especially based on what I was looking at, I, I'm a, a sucker for hard-throwing left-handers, right? And he's not a super hard-throwing left-hander, but he, with his length, he's that ball was on those Red Sox faster than they knew, and they could not do a thing with that slider. I mean, he just kept throwing it um, until he got to the ninth inning when you could tell he was nervous. I kept saying to Nicole, because I was like, "You have to, we have to watch this. And she's like, do I really? Yeah, you, have like, to. you have to watch this. I don't have to do I'm anything, like, Ian. <laughs> like eight, through eight and two-thirds, and, and she was like, all right, he's going to get it. I'm like, no, 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 this is where you lose it. Because you're right there on the edge of it, and it just it goes up in your throat, and you start to choke. And he uh, did, and he walked it. You know, he walked. Uh, he walked Benintendi. Yeah, he walked Benintendi, and then and then Hanley hit a rocket, but just right at Simeon. But yes, I think I think he's absolutely for real. I own him in every um, every league that I could get my hands on him, um, based on what he was doing in spring. And I did start him yesterday very happily. Well, there were some other uh, near misses within that outing, too. Uh, Marcus Simeon dropped fly ball that was rightly called an error, um, kind of an over-the-shoulder sort of football catch there. And then Benintendi running out of the line down first base that was originally called a hit because I was I was leaving a comedy show kind of checking scores. You see the little red no-hitter check in on that. Right. Literally, as I was clicking it, that play was happening because it went to a hit. So I was like, okay, boom, I drive home, don't even you know, think about it because who would be on their phone while driving? I would never do that. So I didn't look at it again because I'm an amazing citizen and a tremendous driver. And then I get home, and he still has a no-hitter. And I'm like, how did he get minus hits? So I had to go back and figure out that it was Ben Intendi running out of the baseline. Uh, Jason. Shamanaya is somebody that, uh, that that people have had hopes for, you know, pinned hopes to before, and you know, early on this looks great. I know health is a major concern, but do you have any skills concerns with Shamanaya, Jason? No, a couple of things uh, that you guys, when you and Ian were talking there, one of the things losing a no hitter with eight and two thirds—that's called a Dave Steeb. Um, and that—that's because that, man, that was yes. one of my favorite pitchers to watch back in the day, and yes. it just broke my heart to see. 
uh, how his no hitters would fall apart. Uh, it looked like routine grounder, no, or two strikes, what? Oh no! Or just uh, so, out of the reach of like Tony Fernandez's glove after yes. he jumped up at second base. Always some little BS, and he something. finally got one. Always something. But what one of the things that killed me last night is I fell asleep during this thing. I had a very oh. busy and very long Saturday. And so I that was, you know, I got into bed and turned that on. So I'm like, okay, it's Sale versus Manaya. I'm going to watch this. And uh, and Sale was struggling with command, but Manaya wasn't. And I think it was a particular, maybe it was the second plate appearance against Devers where yeah, he just completely overmatched him. And that to me is always something that stands out because we've seen Devers just make Aroldis Chapman look normal uh with the with the fastball and slider and just take him out and how he can handle lefties but but i completely overmatched him but the the when i why i watched about that game it just everything was sharp and he was he had better command and sale did in that game uh yeah. what really stood out and i think uh you know, one of the things i like you guys mentioned Manaya. The health, I mean, let's remember before the health creeped up at Indiana State, there was a lot of talk of him being 1-1 the year he came out yep. of that draft. Uh, and then he had the hip issue, and that's what re- that's what pushed him down uh, in that last year. He had the health issue related to uh, the adjustment in his ADD medication, where he lost all that, uh, lost the 25 pounds, lost velocity. His swing and miss rate was way down uh, last in the second half last year. But all of that, I figured once he got healthy, one of my bold predictions this year uh, in the Rotowire piece was Sean and I would finish this year as a top 50 starting pitcher. You know, like you know the Roto Wire rankings had him at a very nice 69th uh, coming into the season, but I was uh, a lot higher on him, and that's this is one of the ones I'm rather proud of because so far this is really playing out well. Yeah, he's he's looking great. Um, I I really like what he's doing so far. Definitely somebody I've always liked watching. Didn't didn't get any shares this year. He was going around guys that. Uh, that I ended up picking instead of him, but never had really any sort of anti Shamanaya bend. Um, Justin, do you want to do you want to be negative? No, I don't. I, I, I oh, like okay. Sean Manaya a lot. And the thing I like the most, uh, you know, aside from the fact that his, you know, he, he's showing the same talent level I think he's always had, uh, but he's going deep into games. From August 1st on, he didn't go seven innings or deeper. And already this season, he's gone at least seven innings in four of his five starts. Like, that's huge for for a step forward uh, for him. And that's showing that he's healthy. And as long as he stays healthy, that's and that's the big if, um, I think he could be a top 30 starter this year. Okay. I just I I know you don't like the other baby draft, Brandon Belt, so I just figured maybe you had it out for anybody nicknamed <laughs> Baby Draft. Uh all right, rapid fire we'll start with Justin. To, to stay healthy and have the full season, Jeb Lowry or Sean Manaya? Sean Manaya. Ian. Uh, Sean Manaya, but I love Jeb Lowry too. <laughs> I love Jeb Lowry too. I, I would love to see both stay healthy. J- Jason. Since it's rapid fire, I'm going to say Sean Mania, but man, it's it's getting tougher and tougher to discount what uh, to what Jed Lowry did. I mean, he just did come off a season where 153 games played, and right now he looks really, really good at the plate. Maybe it takes some guys 10 professional seasons to become healthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, and that's why I said health, because I, I don't really uh, discount anything that he's doing. Obviously, I don't think he'll stay at this rate, even if he does stay healthy for Jed Lowry, 367, um, you know, MLB high batting average. Average, ribbies, hits, total bases. He's MLB high in all of those, 1052 OPS. Love what he's doing, but uh, health. 
that 153 is only the third time he's played more than 97 games. Right. So that's kind of the issue there. All right, we're going to talk about some uh, player performances. Hitters on the negative side, pitchers a little bit on the higher side. Obviously, we're trying to see what we want to do with these guys in terms of, uh, you know, the, the future here with, with these hitters. Let's start with Logan Morrison, Justin. And, um, you know, he's off to a terrible start. I think he did finally hit his first homer just the other day. And that was what people were scooping him for, saying, okay, you know, he had that big 38 homer season last year. I think a lot of people were saying, okay, he'll back off from that, but maybe to low 30s. Uh, you know, I think that's what he was being drafted as. He's now four for 48, hitting 083 with that first homer. Uh, is this back to old punchable face Logan Morrison, or or is he gonna is he gonna have a run? I mean, I think he's gonna have a run. He's he's not gonna hit under 100. Uh, and yeah, but what about the power? I think the, I think the power is going to be there. I think uh, I just th- I think the average is going to be just atrocious, and we're sure. we're talking about like maybe worse than we've seen the last two years, maybe more like two twenty. Yikes! So he, Chris Carter, left-handed Chris Carter. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's swinging outside the zone more, uh, swinging strike rates up. Uh, it's not going to be a pretty profile. Uh, but I think he's a guy who will still hit another 25 home runs and, pro- and probably more as long as the Twins don't start sitting him. Um, the question becomes: How long will the Twins put up with this? They've got other, sure. they've got other, you know, black holes offensively, including you know, especially Byron Buxton um, right now in that lineup. Can they afford to keep running him out there? So. I think the power is going to come back. Is this a guy I'd buy low on? No, I don't. I don't think I would. It's it, it's interesting you say that about Buxton because with him out, they can almost afford it more because then mm-hmm. everyone but Jason Castro and Logan Morrison uh, is is average or, or or well well above even Ryan Lemaire, the replacement right now for Byron Buxton's hitting out of his shoes. So if you look up and down the lineup on on uh, Baseball Reference of the regulars, you just see Castro and, and Lomo, but you add bucks in there, then you got three dead weights, and you're right. Yeah, seven mil is not, uh, you know, a zero investment. But if he keeps up at this clip, we saw Chris Carter. Like, there, there's no love for your 38 homers when you don't do anything around it. Um, Jason, obviously, you watched him a lot last year. Logan Morrison in Tampa Bay have the big breakout season at age 29. Have you had a chance to watch him at all in Minnesota this year? Are you seeing anything? Is it just early season struggles? Uh, where do you stand with Logan Morrison right now uh, after a slow first few games? By the way, did he have a DL stint? Is that why he only has 13 games played? Or have they only played so few? Wow, they've only played 15 games. You're stealing part of my you're stealing Sorry. part of my response. Sorry, go ahead. It just it just dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute, does he have a DL stint? I'm not accounting for. Continue. So this, I'm sorry. All right. So this is part of the issue. They've had so much, so many weather related games. It's it has to be tough. Uh, and I mentioned this on the Fantrax podcast when I talked with uh, with Ralph and Andy the other day. It, you know, it it yeah. It's got to be tough to keep your timing when every other game or sometimes three games in a row are getting banged out by by snow uh, and winter weather. But I think one of the things here, and I am uh, I am all about buying Logan Morrison by low because let's go back to two years ago. Two years ago, first season in Tampa Bay, he opened that season with a 094, 147, 125 triple slash line. He went six for his first 60 in that season. And then you know, they gave him a few days off. Then he comes back, and for the rest of that season, 
the rest of that season, he ended up like a 117 weighted runs created, and he had a lot of values. He had zero home runs in that first stretch. Then he ends up, he only hit 14 the rest of the way, but he, I'm sorry, he had a 127 weighted runs created plus. So he was that much above average. And and the the Rays used him only against right-handed pitching. They didn't really let him face lefties, but he had a lot of success in that platoon format. Right now, uh, this is what this looks like to me. He, he's kind of rock bottom value. People may be ready to move on and like forget it. he got a late start to spring training. The numbers are down. I'm buying uh, because we've seen him come back from even worse than this, uh, and that was only two years ago. And once okay. the weather warms up and the schedule gets a lot better, I'd be trying to get shares of Logan Morrison right now. Well, it's interesting because I don't think the buy price would be very high at all, almost to the point of where, go check your wires if, if you're interested and you agree with Jason uh, because he might be out there in, in, in a lot of leagues, even some 15-teamers. Ian, Logan Morrison, someone that you're buying right now based on the slow start or, uh, or, or fading from? Um, fading from, however, if it's a AL only or a 20 team league, uh, I can see buying low on him. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, going to a new team is really challenging for everybody. And, uh, Logan Morrison's a real emotional dude. So I think it's something that it's going to take him a little while to find his balance. Also, um, the right field fence in Minnesota is no friend to a left-handed power hitter. And then that may be getting into his head as well. But I, you know, I like what Jason said. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get him for, let's say you're in a 20 team league and you can throw a third round, 20 team dynasty league, and you could throw a third round or fourth round minor league pick for Logan Morrison to a rebuilding team, and you have an empty spot in a utility, and you want to throw him in your bench to see if he comes around, sure. Okay. Okay. Ian, we'll stick with you and talk about Jason Kipnis. Remember when you hit all those spring training home runs? Oh, my God. Let me go get Jason Kipnis. He's so good, man. I really like him. He's a great player. Oh, wow. Zero homers and a 181 average. It's almost (laughs) as if spring training doesn't matter. Okay. Listen, uh, that's just for the meme. I know that it matters, and there are things that matter, et cetera, et cetera. But I do believe, and I can be corrected if so, but I do believe that uh, the baseball reference op qual, which is opponent quality metric that they have, uh, was bad for Jason Kipnis. Uh, you know, it's a zero to it's a zero to ten based on kind of the skill level that they're facing in spring training. Can't find it now, by the way. They take it down and and hide it until next uh, next spring. But I want to say it was like seven five seven point five. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I remember you talking about that last uh, during spring training. I think you said it was like seven two to seven five and and comped it to double A pitching. That's double A exactly. And so that was my thing with the Kipnis homers was like. He was actually hitting him off the Scrabinis, not the guys at the front end uh, of the game there. And so that's why I was a little cold water. Again, not that nothing in spring matters, but with this one, I wasn't being sold on it. Ian, we're seeing a, a Jason Kipnis who is obviously at the lowest end of his spectrum now after that big spring. Is he somebody you would go out and buy? Um, in, in a 15-team league, you could go out and buy him and you get him super-duper cheap. Super cheap you will get him off the wire because he will be dropped. He uh-huh. should be. Yeah. If he's, if he's not on the wire in a 10 or 12 team league, you might be playing in a dead league. Y'all. Yeah. I think, I think I take laboratories over Jason Kippins. Um, but the, uh, you know, is he dead? I, I actually have higher hopes for Jason Kippins this year than I do for Logan Morrison. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, Why? I would. Because I don't like Jason Kipnis as a fantasy player. Never really been a huge fan. So I come in with that bias, but I'm open to listening. Why? What 
because um, I see Logan's power and, and the the nine games played. There's actually thirteen, but you know I see the the small games played from the weather, and I, I believe in him a little bit more than Kipnis. What sell me a little bit on Kipnis? Well, I like the lineup a little bit better. Um, okay. the team. I think he's going to have more opportunities to play um, and straighten himself out. It would not surprise me if we were talking about, ooh, Jason Kipnis just got hot. How did that happen? Because, again, it is it is early. Um, I would definitely hit. wonder how it happened. You're right. That, w- that would be the first thing. I'd be like, what? How did he do that? He hit more than one baseball this week. Well, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, he's not, he's not a, a great player right now for sure. And but if it, it, it again in the twenty team dynasty league, if you have a need in the middle infield and you can get him super cheap, I, I, it's worth a bet. Okay, um, you know, and and yeah, he is the kind of uh, veteran guy that they're going to keep running out there. He'll have some big hot streak, and then people will be tweeting me, "You see what Jason Kipnis did today?" I say no because I don't look up the stats of scrubs. Justin, <laughs> would you rather have Ryan Flaherty or Jason Kipnis? Uh, Jason Kipnis. Okay, just testing, just testing where we're at with that. Um, and I, I mean, I, I've been in the same kind of camp as you. I, I didn't like Jason Kipnis coming in the year. I've never really been much of a Jason Kipnis guy, uh, probably because I, I bought in early when he was like really young and stuff, and then he burnt. Maybe that's it. Injured. We got burnt. I mean, yeah. I got, I got the like, uh, what was it the seventeen thirty two season or whatever? No, seventeen thirty. I see it right now. Twenty thirteen, seventeen homers, thirty thirty SP. Like I, I was in on that one, so I have some favorability. I've, I've, I've had. Yeah, I, I was set. in on the two thousand fifteen nine twelve. You know, mm, I mean, I was too, but like that was residual from the twenty thirteen. So I guess mm-hmm. that's. I don't know why I hate him so much. I just, I, you know what it was. For those years, starting in like 14, maybe even in 13 when he had the, the big year, it was always Kipnis Kinsler in some way, and I always leaned mm-hmm. Kinsler, not just when he was a Tiger, but especially when he was a Tiger because I was watching him day in, day out, seeing a much better player. And so that's that's why I think I just kind of got off that Kipnis train. Yeah, but at the same time, like I don't really see – I don't see too much to be concerned about, honestly. It's you know, swinging strike rate has actually gone down. Uh, he is swinging uh, less outside of the zone. Um, the hard contact is actually up. Uh, I just think this is a slump, and I think he's gonna work his way out of it. Um, you know, I, he's, he's still not a guy I love, but I mean, if you could get him for you know nothing, or like you said, like I think in a lot of leagues he's gonna get dropped. Uh, he's definitely a guy that I would go out and grab if you're in need. I would rather have him than Glaber Torres. Okay, so you're the other way again. Um, and in fairness, my boy Ian Kinsler not off to a great start. So uh, would you rather have Kinsler or Kipnis? Kinsler. Okay, Kinsler. you're good, obviously. Uh, Jason, Jason Kipnis, he shares your first name. Are you embarrassed by him, generally speaking? <sighs> mm, yeah, not one of my favorites. Um uh... I, I, I'm probably in the same boat as uh, as Justin, where I bought in early and then I uh, expected too much, and now I'm uh, now I'm not in his camp. Yeah. Uh, you know that said, the, really depending on the league format. I mean, he's not. I don't sure. think he's ever going to be the dude that we uh, that we had expectations of. But as long as he's in there for playing time, he can do a lot worse. Twelve is he twelve team viable to you, Jason? Uh, no, not in this shape, Ian. Uh, no, but no. But, but 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 keep an eye on him is what you're saying, right? I just he, you know, 2016, he was awfully good. Uh, sure, sure, absolutely. And, and and Justin, I think he's not 12 team viable for you either, right? 
it would have to be either a really deep league or a league like uh, maybe like a 12-team Yahoo league. Um, or if you have scope and you order. Have outfield eligibility too there. Okay, okay, and catcher because he was at the plate one I mean, time. It's, it's just weird. <laughs> I mean, it's it's weird to think of him like he's already thirty-one years old. But that's what happens when you start. You know, you come out of college. Uh, you, yes. you know, he played at a high-profile college team. But this, we think in our head, okay, okay, yeah, Kip this runs. Except he doesn't. He hasn't run. He's got six steals over the past one point. What are we at? Fifteen percent of the way through this, our one one point one two seasons now. Uh, he just really hasn't run the power. Yeah, he had the twenty three homers in two thousand sixteen, but that's the only time he's been over seventeen uh, in in this career. So it's what are we getting out of him? And if we're looking for, oh yeah, but he's gonna hit for average, but he's only really done that once in the past four seasons. So okay. there's a Don't lot of what ifs here. There's a lot of what ifs. Sure. Sure, and and a lot of it's health too. That's another reason that I generally stay away from Kipnis. Is I'm always thinking that it's going to be a chore to have Jason Kipnis on the team. Um, a middle infielder, I didn't think it was going to be a chore to have on the team. Justin was Orlando Arcia, and uh, you know it hasn't been a chore yet because I haven't done anything. I'm just kind of waiting it out. As Ian mentioned, he also recently got hurt, so he's on he's on the slow start. Has a couple homers, but but a weak triple slash yielding a 569. Not so nice OPS, uh, but then a- injured his ankle, didn't play yesterday, Saturday, and now is in doubt for uh, today's game on Sunday. Let's assume that uh, maybe this is a couple-day thing, just for the sake of, of, of the discussion here, because we don't know, and obviously that would change the scope if he's hurt for a DL stint or whatever. Let's assume Orlando Arcia misses today. They're off tomorrow, and, and, he, and he gets a breather to get going. I actually don't know if they're off tomorrow, but I'm just assuming, like, let's they say three-day yeah. injury. Okay, so let's say it's something like that. He's back Tuesday. Where are you with a healthy Orlando Arcia who's, uh, who had some expectations as a young guy has not panned out on them so far? Uh, I'm I'm buying him wherever I can as long as he's healthy. So uh, you're gonna kind of have to wait and see. They're gonna reassess uh, before he uh, they they head off to Kansas City for their next series. Um, he's getting a little bit of uh, bad luck in the Babip department. Um, he the thing about a guy like Garcia is he's gonna have times where he struggles, but like a Bradley Zimmer or like a Matt Chapman. Uh, he plays such good defense that he's going to play every day as long as he's healthy. Yes, and so he's going to sure. have an opportunity to break out of it. Um, I, I don't worry that uh, this is going to be a long-term issue or that they're going to start putting in you know, VR or someone like that at shortstop. So um, I, I'm, I'm trying to buy low, especially in my deeper formats. Get excited, Jack Flaherty fans. Ian Wainwright hit the disabled. Don't get excited because he's on the disabled list. Don't be creepy. But... Uh, Adam Wainwright, breaking news to the DL. That should open it up for Jack Flaherty. But anyway, back to Orlando Arcia. Justin, finishing with you real quick. I think I know the answer, but let's rile up some Braves fans. Dansby Swanson or or Orlando Arcia? Mm, I'm going to go Arcia. Of course you are. It was funny and cute how you pretended that you were thinking (laughs) about it. That was was rich. Uh, Ian, Orlando Arcia, you're a dynasty guy. It's probably been on your radar since... His brother was born, even though it's his older brother. You were probably oh, – Oswaldo was born, and you were already asking, hey, when, when are you going to have another kid? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down with Oswaldo, uh, even though he's only three years old. Are you going to have another kid? And his parents said, yes, we will. His name will be Orlando. And Ian rostered him at 
six months of age. So you've had him this whole time. Shortstop glove from the from the beginning, and I figured with the with the power in the family, it would play well. Um, Arcia is still a very 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 good dynasty um, piece to get if you have a team that is somewhat competing and you're in a rebuild and you can go buy Orlando Arcia right now in a dynasty league. I would recommend that. I think he'll even be fine if the ankle issue um, moving forward is not an issue. Um, I think he'll be fine. He was starting to heat up this last week a little bit. Uh, I'm certainly hitting a little bit better. Um, and yeah, I take Danzu Swanson over him in a redraft. Okay, Orlando Arcia or Ahmed Rosario, dynasty format. Ooh, that's good. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Got your stuff. Coin flip. <laughs> I did it. I, I think I'm going to go Orlando Arcia. I, okay. I, I, I'm going to go Orlando Arcia. All right. That sounds good. Jason, let's talk about Orlando Arcia in a trade market situation. And and uh, mention some names here and see if you would you would trade those names for him, assuming you had the appropriate needs, of course, and the appropriate surpluses to, to deal out. I First off, I don't like doing like shortstop for shortstop because I don't think you're going to go out. Most people don't go out and make challenge trades at the exact position of the guy that they're trying to trade for. So right. I don't really like analysis like that because it's, it's just not practical at all. So let's try to focus on some potential pitchers. Uh, would you trade Chris Stratton, the greatest pitcher to ever exist for Orlando Arcia in a redraft? Uh, yes. Oh my God. Justin just had a hard, someone called. I just did did it for talking purposes. (laughs) How dare Um, you. As you guys know off air, I have been, I have been, uh, putting Chris Stratton out there on the trade market, had a deal worked out for him. And then, uh, as part of a, uh, as part of a Ryan Zimmerman and, and franchise Cordero deal. And it, uh, it fell apart when the franchise, put up a golden sombrero and then Zimmerman uh, had a, a two homer in what five, six RBI game. And that flopped out. But Stratton, I was trying to move Stratton for John Gray. And even though John Gray got bombed again after the trade, um, I, I have not that. yet heard back uh, oh, from that order. Goodness. Would you trade um, Lewis Brinson who Justin and I ignited. You're welcome, <laughs> Lewis. We know you listen and you were pissed, but we had to light a fire, dog. Sorry, we had some harsh words for you. All of a sudden, you got three homers. Coincidence? No, it's not. Don't even ask. Um, would you trade Lewis Brinson for Orlando Arcia? You need some infield. You got some outfield. Your guy's starting to get some uh, get some good work done there with Brinson. Would you make that trade in a redraft situation, J- Jason? I would do that one as well. Okay. So that's kind of how we feel about Orlando Arcia. Pretty generally positive here. Um, let's get back to Ian. You, you mentioned this guy briefly too. Let's just start with the either or on these guys, and then we'll jump off into Tim Beckham. Arcia or Tim Beckham in redraft right now, Ian? Arcia. Arcia? Okay. So Tim Beckham had his little flurry. Uh, it's not. It was. I'm really reluctant to call it a f- full breakout because it really wasn't. It was like a little two month run there, and it was really nice. Probably had some Rays fans regretting the move. Oh, why did we get rid of this guy? He goes over just just our luck. He goes over to Baltimore and beasts out ten homers in fifty games, eight seventy one OPS, et cetera, et cetera. This year he's been his worst yet. In fact, it's I think it's interesting when people go back and look at Tim Beckham. Obviously, he hasn't panned out to an oh, a number one overall, but he's never really had an awful major league season. All, all three of his partial seasons have been like average or better. The 93 OPS plus, obviously, that's not 
quite average, but it's you, you, you squint and it's basically there. But this year is off to a rough start. Uh, has just a homer and a stolen base, 182 average, 529 OPS. Uh, what what's up with a 28 year old Tim Beckham, Ian? Uh, sorry, the plane going overhead. That is quite loud. Um, so the the thing with Beckham is again i always go back to this when i'm playing and when i'm deciding on players going into seasons it has to do with their mindset going into a season it, it is not to be underestimated it's to be it's important it's as almost as important to me as the numbers themselves tim beckham has been a second baseman or shortstop his entire career this year because of manny manny says i don't want to play third base anymore i want to play shortstop so tim beckham goes well okay you good you whatever you say boss and so he moves from shortstop and he moves over to third base so all of a sudden most of the time that he's spending in his days is focusing on all right now i'm going to get a ball hit at me at 116 miles an hour and instead of having the same amount of time and space that i've had my entire career now i've got to become greg nettles over here and yep. figure out how to how to field the ball in which case, the time and attention that he's going to put into his swing is not going to be as much. So this is I right before the season, I had Beckham. I tra- as soon as the I traded him in a in a dynasty league for Yuri Gurriel straight up, and people were like, "Why would you do that? Gurriel's old." I'm like, "Because Beckham's about to fall off a cliff, folks." And uh, and Beckham so far so good. Not your call. Beckham is falling off a cliff, folks. And he is wily coyoteing down that cliff because he is playing third base. That is why. okay. You know, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. That is a big deal. Um, you know, we do kind of mentally assume these guys can just kind of move around. We really don't give any consideration to a middle infielder who's moving. We're just like, you used to play the hardest position. You can move anywhere. Don't want to hear about it. Um, Jason, what do you think about the theory that moving to third base has been a big part of, of, of Beckham's issues right now as he as he transitions over there? It definitely could be a part of it, but you know, some of this was we saw this happening last year. But yeah, he early on it was like, okay, you want to trade me and give me away for quote unquote nothing? Fine, I'm gonna make you pay for this. And yeah, he hit out of the gate it was just great. But yeah, I sent you guys a link off uh, in the in the chat for this. But you can see that this cliff that Ian just talked about started last year, and it has just kept going. He has been a below-average offensive player uh, for about the last 75 to 80 plate appearances. Uh, and that's a 15. If you go to his Fangraphs page, go pull up his graph and look at his 15-game rolling weighted on base average, you can see this cliff and where it's gone down. I mean, this is this is why the Rays gave him up for nothing. He's extremely streaky, uh, had issues on the field, off the field a little bit, and it's it, you get what you – this is what he is. Uh, and certainly moving over <clears throat> to a position, it's, it's not easy to make that kind of transition. So all of those factors coming together – this is what you have. I mean, I think I have him in one league and I have him at one dollar and this that's why I'm like one buck, whatever positional flexibility. I'll deal sure. with the headache. Um, but this is also a reason why he's had, you know, over three seasons, he's had about a three week span of, oh, yeah, this guy was a one one pick. And um, most of the rest of it, you're like, oh, yeah, he was a one one pick. Justin, um, you were second highest on, on the composite rankings there. Everything was pretty tight except for Podhors are having him at 13, which is surprising because he's so numbers-based. I would have thought that maybe Tim Beckham didn't do as well. Uh, you know, I had him ni- at 21 to year 19, so we were we were pretty close there. Is Tim Beckham someone you'd go out and trade for right now in uh, in anything shallower than like an AL only? I don't think I would. I think I'm I'm cooling a bit on him, and I think it has a large 
part to do with what Ian was talking about, um, the move to third base. He's even mentioned, I believe, in the media that he hates playing third base and that it's really it's really bothering him. Uh, wow. But, Wait, uh, he's mentioned something he hates doing to the media? Yeah. I'm mind blown. <laughs> so, but I mean, like, you know, we talk about the, the – you know the the loss in production guys get for moving, for, you know, to DH. You know, it wouldn't be out of the ordin or it wouldn't be crazy to think that maybe his struggles on the field are uh, affecting on uh, at the plate. And the thing that he did last year was really improved against right-handed pitching, um, mm-hmm. and that is completely evaporated. You know, right back to where he's been, and kind of in his career, actually worse than where he's been uh, in his overall career. Uh, and that has me really concerned. I, you know, he's going to get hot at some point, and he'll have you know, a, you know, a hot week, hot couple weeks. Um, sure. But I don't know if I'm going to be willing to wait around for it at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure that uh, you know, even in a 15 team mixed league situation, which is where Jason and I have him. You know, the the he's lucky right now that he has shortstop and third. And so then also, of course, middle and corner, uh, because that's kind of keeping his spot right now. And if somebody better pops up, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to move. I, I just uh, I, I don't know. I, I was kind of there, uh, like I said, with with where you had Tim Beckham and I liked him coming into the year. But right now it's it's just not working. He's also, uh, lucky, right. he's also lucky that Ryan Mountcastle is injured. Otherwise, he'd be going back to the utility job that he belongs in because Mountcastle's injured. He's he's safe at third base. He's at the also, so, since okay. we're talking about the Orioles, free Austin Hayes. Free Austin Hayes. No, dude, they got to get time for Anthony Santander. Free Austin wait, Hayes. Wait, wait, wait. Anthony Santander with his 39 OPS plus. Uh, he's a rule five pick. They can't. They can't send him down. So I know. I mean, they're kind of. They're kind of screwed. On, you know, what I mean, and right now they're six and fifteen. So I think we may start getting some rumors about them starting to think about moving guys. Exactly. Perhaps. They'll then decide at the break that they don't want to do. Just, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. They'll, uh, they'll, Sorry, they'll, everybody's uh, going down with the ship. This is the Titanic. We got, <laughs> we got to ride this out. We got to ride this out. Uh, all right, let's start with Justin on on Yasiel Puig. Really like Yasiel Puig coming in this season. Hasn't gone as expected so far. Brutal triple slash right now. Two twenty two average, five sixty five OPS. Hasn't hit his first homer yet. Is three for four on the basis. So there's one positive. Um, you know, I feel like Brad Johnson probably looks at these numbers and, and goes to his happy place, which <laughs> is is disgusting on every possible level. Uh, I I am terrified at the notion that that Brad Johnson could be right on something. So that's how I know that that Puig has to come out of it because I mean, how could Brad be right? You know, so yeah, he's definitely uh, not. There's there's no way. No, for those that don't know, Brad likes to call Yasiel Puig mediocre. And, well, uh, these numbers are mediocre. So, I mean, if he was predicting that this was going to happen, then he would be right. But uh, Puig is not a mediocre talent by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I don't think that this is going to continue. Still uh, buying that? Yeah, for sure. If, if someone wants to buy low um, right now, I think this is one of those guys that, you, you know, people – uh, are very volatile on. I think there yes. are, are there are assets like Vado, you know, or you know other you know studs that are, are struggling where people go. Well, I'm not selling Stanton. low on that. Yeah, Stan. Yeah, they're not they're, they're not giving a, 
around a pick of discount value on Votto, nor should they and Stanton. But somebody like Puig, even if you drafted him, you can easily envision a person that says, damn it, why the, I, I got sucked in on this. Spore and Mason were talking mm-hmm. him up. Uh, listen, Erickson were. This is trash. I'm ready to trade this guy. Like I, You can envision scenarios where people are fed up even Especially because he has that games. he has that reputation of being a hothead and being yes. you know um, that you know and that if you don't think that affects how people view him as a fantasy player even though it really shouldn't um, you're yeah. crazy I mean this is obviously you know he needs to start pulling the ball a lot more um, he's only pulling the ball thirty percent of the time after doing it over forty uh, the last two seasons. Um, and most of his career. Yeah, and you know the hard contacts down a little, but nothing that I'm that worried about. That he's actually making more contact, um, uh, inside and outside of the, or well, actually not outside of the zone, but inside of the zone. Uh, and overall, his swinging strike rate is down. I I don't think there's any reason right now to get too concerned. If I've got him, I'm holding. If someone is looking to sell, I'm buying. Did you trade Fulty? Mike Fulton Evans for Puig. Okay. What about uh, Reynaldo Lopez? Yes. Okay. How dare uh, you? What about and Chris I like Stratton? Lopez. Yes. Lopez is my Stratton. <laughs> um, He's going to get yeah. trashed by the Astros today, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> it's all right. It'll Stratton's going to get trashed by the Nationals on Monday. <laughs> it, it, it'll be, we'll, we'll see. Doesn't uh, Stratton have a two start then? Yeah. Yep. What's the other one? Oh God! Uh, got Washington for one. I'm just wondering, like, is he a, is he a start? Uh, we got to figure out if just because if, if Justin's not starting Chris Stratton, then I don't think anybody should. So that's why I, I think it's worth this uh, tangent. Wait, really the quick. best pitcher in the world is gonna ha- is a is a maybe do I start him guy now? Oh gosh, Man, he's got the wait, Dodgers. Wait, back to your dude. He's got the well, Dodgers too. Yeah, well, start. I'd start him against the Dodgers. The Dodgers lineup isn't great right now. I'd start yeah, what about against the Dodgers. What? But the the thing of it is, a lot of folks play weekly leagues. They got to make the decision. They got to take the Washington one. Both are at home. Justin Mason. Yes. Are you starting Chris Stratton in every league you have him? I'm starting him in Tout Wars. Okay. Even though I'm not All playing right. you, I mean. Yeah, you'll be <laughs> licking your wounds, trying to ca- catch up from that L that you took. That's why you'll start Chris Stratton. Uh, a, a loss can really push people to bad decisions. So you're going to go ahead and start him. I understand. Okay, Ian Yasiel Puig. What was your outlook on him coming into the season? Has it been altered at all by 19 games? I just I never, never owned Yasiel Puig. I'm not oh. guy. Sorry. Yeah, but I remember. It's been I, nice having you on the show, Ian. Um, I'll talk scouting. to you later. <laughs> fair enough. But, fair enough. But I'll stand by it. I was scouting Yasiel Puig for uh, the Dynasty draft in 2013, I think, when he was coming. And I watched him take BP, and I watched him do some Mickey Rivers baton twirling. And I went, I'm going to take a pass on that. I'm going to pass on that. Um, because he's a hot dog, hot head. Here, I'm going to put a. I'm going to do a a prediction. Um, I think that Kenley Jansen's struggles, unfortunately, seem to be somewhat real. I can see a situation where Verdugo is hitting so well in the minor leagues that they move Puig to a rebuilding team, maybe something like the. I'm going to say the Cincinnati Reds for Russell Iglesias, so the Dodgers. Wow. Can- uh, tighten up their their relief core, not necessarily lose the job with Jansen, but that bullpen is not strong enough if Jansen's not Mariano Rivera, which he's been for the last five years. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say that Puig gets moved finally because he's a pain in the ass and because Matt Kemp is a guy who I have very high, had very high hopes coming into the season, partially because of his very strong spring training numbers. Um, but also with 
uh, that that whole lineup. I, I'm just not I'm not a fan of Yasiel Puig. I continue not to be a fan of Yasiel Puig, um, and that's that's my that's o- that's my belief. O- only problem with that trade uh, is that Puig is a free agent after this year. Oh yeah, there you go. Can't, they so can't do that. Then. They're not going to move him to Reds, but he could get moved to a contender that maybe sure. has a plethora of relief pitching, you know, maybe yep. like the Astros, if the Astros decide they want to, yeah. you know, share it's some different. of that wealth or... Same thing. Same thing. Good. Ken Giles for Yossi Puig. Fine. Sounds great. Get him out. Good um, old Ken Giles. Sergio Romo for Yossi Puig. Let's make it happen. <laughs> we said contender. <laughs> oh. They're still a wild card. Don't call it a comeback. Uh, we won't. Don't worry. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on to Ian Happ because I know that Jason basically echoes more of mine and Justin's sentiments on Puig. I think we kind of got that well covered. But I will start with Jason for Ian Happ, who uh, certainly came in with a lot of expectations. Another guy who had a big spring that uh, has not has not borne any fruit yet, really. Uh, opened the season, the literal first pitch of the season he hit for a home run. And uh, there were definitely Happ backers that thought that that gave them the W. Oh, yeah, that's why I took him. Okay, cool, man. Cool. I loved Ian Happ. I mean, I, I still love Ian Happ. I got him on a bunch of leagues. Man, you start touting your, pounding your chest after one homer on the very first day. That's tough. Uh, he's struggled a lot since, making, Yassi, or, uh, making uh, Javier Baez blush with his 45% strikeout rate. He's starting to lose playing time, has just one homer and two stolen bases since then. Are you concerned? Actually, what level of concern do you have for Ian Happ? Because I think it's hard to not be concerned off of the the draft season hype from from Ian Happ, Jason. So where where do you currently stand with Ian Happ? So I'm I'm actually writing him up for a RotoWire article, uh, and I was working on this this morning. One of the things that's really strange about him right now is you know when you see a guy's strikeout rate jump to this to this level. I mean, the only guy striking out as often as Happ right now is Miguel Sano. Uh, they're both at 44.6% this year. But the thing with half is he's missing in the strike zone. He's not expanding yes. his strike zone. He is swinging and missing at pitches in the zone. And if you if you dig down into it, uh, as I'm doing in the article, his two strike, he is basically getting overpowered in two strike counts. Uh, it's not a change at all. Well, that I don't know if if the league has decided his swing is a little long right now, so we're just going to keep pumping fastballs in the zone. But this is a matter, or or he's expecting uh, I'm going to get a slider, or I'm going to get a changeup, I'm going to get a non fastball and a two strike count, and then the fastballs keep coming. So I I don't know if that's what the case is, but clearly the league has decided I'm going to keep throwing him fastballs until he does something because the two strike count uh, there's just a, a high amount of fastballs and he's not. And he's swinging through them. He's only taken, when I looked at his two-strike count, he's taken five pitches for strike three. He has swung through 20 of them. And this isn't just fastballs. This is two-strike pitches. But then you look at the balance of pitches, and it's a lot of fastballs. And when I see that in the zone, that tells me swings long right now. I I was reading an article uh, this morning that he's in the cage working with Chili Davis, uh, trying uh, trying some stuff. Uh, I hope this isn't another case where, uh, like we had with – Jason Hayward. Oh, we're working on stuff. It's going to change, and it doesn't change. But unless the swing gets short or he starts sitting fastball and adjusting to something, this is going to continue. But it seems very—it seems fixable uh, because it, it, it it's not him expanding fixable. his zone. 
it, it seems fixable in theory, but but what you said, if if the if the swing doesn't get short on two strikes, I, you can hear the frustration in my voice because I watch him and he, he's still putting his five hundred foot swing in two strike counts all the time, and when you can connect with that as some guys still can that's why we see so many strikeouts and so many homers because a lot of guys don't change when you're still performing okay but when you're not you might have to adjust buddy like it's not working justin like i i'm just again i'm kind of a little bit speechless and and flustered by it because i just watched this guy keep doing the same thing and expect this the different results right now um and i i thought he was a little bit more uh, it advanced along the chain than Baez because of what he did in his first year. Because there were, you know, Baez comps in terms of the big swing and miss and everything. And I was like, no, you know, he came up at 22 and he didn't have quite the same strikeout rate. Now he certainly looks like uh, early, early career Baez, who literally struck out 45 percent of the time. So, how do you feel about Ian Happ right now, Justin? Is he somebody that that you'd be looking to sell low on? Sometimes sell low is the right move if there is that uh, that buyer out there, or are you still hanging on for dear life? I don't know what to do with him, honestly. Um, it's just nothing is, is going right. Uh, I mean, his fly ball percentages are off the absolute charts right now. I mean, he's got a 55% uh, fly ball percentage right now, and when you look at those splits between righty and lefties, he's almost at 60% against right-handed pitching. Uh, wow. It's, yeah, I'm... I, I don't like what he's doing. He's trying to power. Th- he's trying to power his way through it, and it's it's not working. Um, I, oh, man, it depends on how low you're going to sell him. But I would think about selling low. I mean, how long can, uh, how long can the Cubs continue to even just keep him in the major leagues at this point? That's that's the thing I'm looking at right now. Is that there's nothing that Ian Happ did last year puts him you know above a send down like mm-hmm. it's going to be that it's going to be that one that people are going to be shocked that that might not have him on their team or 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 really be focusing on oh Ian Happ got sent down he was a big draft prospect or, or you know draft type guy this year after uh, you know his price really shot up etc and be surprised then you look at the numbers and go okay no that fits he might just need two weeks down there Ian do you think that's something that could be imminent uh, as he's already starting to lose playing time do you think Ian Happ could could legitimately get sent down here in in the short term easily easily sent down I mean my my as we said right before we went on the issue with the Cubs is the only people who are guaranteed playing time every day are the guys at the corners um, and Contreras. But, you know, if you look at Ian Happ, I, I, I was just looking at him, and I think his biggest problem that he has is Albert Almora because Albert Almora is really good. Um, he's, in terms of with a glove, he's also, he was a first-round pick a number of years ago. When there was questions about his hit tool, there was questions about what he could do. And he's hitting 349 right now and playing stellar defense. And that's what he's going to bring to the table. He's not going to, obviously, Javi Baez is just exploding right now. So he's not going to take over at second base. He also got Zobrist, who's on the DL now, but will come back. Ian Happ is not somebody who I was looking at as somebody to to put on team. Because of that problem, I do think he could get sent down. If it's a dynasty league, don't sell him now because he'll figure himself out. He's a great hitter, but will be a great hitter. He's young. Um, but for redraft leagues, he's, I think... If you can get something for him, yeah, you can sell. 
Yeah, I would certainly be careful and 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 not sell it too low, though. Personally, again, you can hear kind of some of the uh, frustration in, in my voice, but uh, that's just because I I do think he is a good player. I think the two week clear ahead send down might be the right move for Ian Happ. Let's get in some pitchers. These guys are pitching well, so we're we're on the positive side now, and we're talking about maybe what to do with them as we go forward because uh, it's a situation where a lot of them are pitching. At a level that uh, obviously you can't move on from them right now, but do you do you dive in and say, "Hey, let's let's do this," or do you try to sell? And you know, I don't want to go too far on the sell high because I know that uh, you know, for example, one of the guys we're going to bring up, Joey Lucchesi, you're not going to go out and get fetch a mint for him. But uh, Ian, let's start with you and Hyunjin Ryu, who just continues to perform. Had a big outing yesterday night against uh, uh, against the Nationals, and. You know, this was a guy who was definitely off the radar, doesn't get much love out there in L.A., and, and just kind of slipped, I think, because people don't really think about him. And, you know, he's had health concerns, um, you know, through 126 innings last year, basically missed all of 15 and 16, a combined four and two-thirds. So I understand why he's down off the radar, but now he's been a, a waiver gem uh, in a lot of leagues. Can it continue? Obviously not at this particular level of a 199 ERA, but can he continue to be an all-formats pitcher, Hanjin Ryu, out in L.A., Ian? Yes, 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 he can. And um, he, you know, when he first came over from Korea, he didn't look this good, but he was really quite excellent. And then he struggled with the shoulder problem a couple of years back. Um, it is surprising, but not unbelievably stunning. Um, and the team is playing great behind him playing good defense. I mean, seven innings, eight strikeouts last night, two hits and home against Washington. And he was out dueling Strasburg. So, uh, you know, he does have some, some, something of a pedigree um, where he, he really has had good years. Not obviously not this good, but yeah, I'm, I'm a always been a fan of Ryu and I'm still a fan of Ryu and I wish I had him. Yeah. I, I actually scooped him for the, for the two start. Uh, in in a couple leagues and it went well and now I'm looking to uh, to keep keep it going here. Jason Yunjin Ryu, somebody that uh, that you're holding on to. If 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 you're in like a ten teamer, you had this two start that went really well. You got to ride it out, right? I agree. I uh, for the same a lot of the same things uh, Ian said. Really, for me with Ryu, it's just a how long is he going to last uh, sure. for health wise. But that's really it. I mean, when he does pitch, for the most part, the skills have been good when he's when he's been healthy, and that's why I. Uh, um, I did have a, I do have two shares of them this year, and uh, you know, despite the fact that Dodgers are overall underperforming this year, he's not one of the reasons. I mean, he's won three of his four starts, uh, and the stuff I watched one of the games, and I liked what I saw this year. The stuff really looks good for him right now. Let's be honest, though, that the, the phrase you said about just use them until they till they get hurt. That's it's like every pitcher. You're just you're just waiting to see if they're going to get hurt, even the uh, the quote unquote healthy ones. But obviously, Hyunjin Ryu has a lot of health concerns. Uh, Justin, Hyunjin Ryu or Chris Stratton? Stratton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I knew I knew you'd say that. Let's move on to Nick Pavetta. I don't want to hear your thoughts if you're gonna if you're not if you're gonna pick Chris Stratton over Hanjin Ryu, then I don't even want to hear what you have to say about Hanjin Ryu. Let's talk Nick Pavetta, Beeston. Nick Pavetta had a big uh, strikeout rate last year that definitely earned some attention. He had some some late buzz uh, or late round buzz in draft season. He definitely had his believers saying. You know, get that Nick Pavetta share late. He's going to be out there. Uh, definitely someone you want to want to scoop. So he had his backers out there, and he has proven those folks right. 
The big strikeout rate is still there, and he's really trimmed the walk rate, which obviously has helped everything else. And he's keeping the ball in the yard. That was the big issue last year, and so far he hasn't allowed a single homer, which is great, after a 1-7 homer per nine. Obviously, he's not going to stay at zero, but uh, I don't think he's going to go all the way back up to 1-7 either. Nick Pavetta right now, is he in all formats hold for you, Justin? He is. I, I really like what he's doing. Uh, swing strike rate up. Even more important, I think, for me, first pitch strike rate up. Um, yes, you to know, back that walk rate. Yeah, and he's really going after hitters. Like you said, keeping the ball in the yard. I don't, has he given up a home run this year? No, zero. Yeah, so, and I mean, he's he's doing that, and he's doing this on the back of a pretty high, well, I mean, I guess it's not extremely high Babbitt, but 311, I mean, uh, I... But he's certainly not, you know, not something that someone, people are going to look at and say, oh, that's that's Babbitt luck. Yeah, he, he's know? not, he's not like lucking into this. This is, you know, fastball velocity is actually uh, up, I believe. Um, I think it's flat. 94. Oh, it's flat? Okay. All right, I, th- I, th- I thought it had gone up a little bit, but... Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's fine with me because he'll gain as the season goes on. Typically, guys do. Um, I, you know, I really like Pavetta, and I think uh, people aren't picking him up quickly enough. He should be owned, I think, in every format. I, I, I should hope so at this point, but I, I look at ESPN leagues, and the one I have and where I was making that decision for my last start of the day, he's only at 46%. And I know they catered to, of the big uh, outlets, they cater to the smallest uh, 10 team is, is their main league. That number's way too low for me. I'm sorry. I, I think it should have been up, um, you know, after two starts ago, Cincinnati after, you know, and Cincinnati's not great or anything like that. But, okay, the Miami one, maybe you don't jump if you're in your 10-teamer. Then he does against Cincinnati, which, again, I know they're not a great competition, but you got to get him then. That's back-to-back. For my league, it was – back-to-back 30-plus point uh, fantasy starts. Then he has a solid one at, at Atlanta and shows he can succeed even when he's not getting the strikeouts. Jason, I think we all say, obviously, get him off your wire uh, immediately, but would you go out and trade for Nick Pavetta right now? Yeah, so I'll prep, there is an excellent article this morning on the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic Athletic, sorry, the uh, about the Phillies starting pitching staff. And one of the things that's really standing out with this team this year is their ability, the starters, their ability to limit extra base hits. This year, Pavetta has allowed a total of three extra base hits in twenty-one and two-thirds and twenty-one and a third inning. Right, uh, so they're doing a really good job. But I highly recommend this article by Matt Gelb. This was what I was reading this morning over breakfast, and uh, but it talks about the, how they're pitching high in the zone, attacking hitters, and then you you dive into Pavetta's numbers and you see it. His first pitch strike rate sixty-seven percent, which in last year it was fifty-nine, and, and sixty-seven is very high for star, uh, for a starting pitcher, and then he. He's also working more breaking balls this year. I mean, he throws both a curveball and a slider last year. He's around uh, 28, 29%. This year, he's at 40 uh, and really has uh, spiked up the usage of his curveball. And so I highly encourage you to go back and watch. He's pitched against Atlanta twice. Uh, I've saw... uh, seen both of those outings and i've been impressed with what i've seen uh, of the stuff there but yeah i'm believing in this uh, when you look at the, the way the stuff is playing up right now uh, i like what i see uh, from from this stuff and i know that kapler got a lot of crap early on but I, overall they're managing this stuff it, it's settled down uh, and if you can get these guys utilized now that tommy hunter's coming back in that pen uh, you know, that pen's getting deeper. And so the, the usage that we made fun of earlier now is going to make a lot more sense now that that bullpen's going to be completely healthy uh, mm-hmm. with Hunter and Neshek coming back. So, uh, yeah, I'm believing here. 
They're thirteen yeah. and seven. I don't hear a lot of the complaints about about Gabe Kapler anymore. And and again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have had the the critique, particularly the one where he brought in the guy uh, when he wasn't ready. Obviously, there's no excuse for that. He said that as much himself. But uh, it seems like there's a lot of overreacting in that first weekend, and he, he's doing just fine. Uh, so it's nice to see that they're, they're playing well. They've got a lot of pitchers doing well. Ian, um, first off, let me just ask: Do you feel similarly to the way? The, the three of us do on Nick Pavetta. Is he someone that you like? I like. Uh, I'm not as in love. Um, okay. As well, then you that's perfect because I'm going to give some names and I want to see where, where where you're at on that. And that's fine. Obviously, I think we would be a little bit higher on some of them. So that's great. Nick Pavetta or Tanner Roark? Mm. Pavetta. Okay. Nick Pavetta moving higher, I think. I don't know. Maybe not. Mike Clevenger? Clevenger. Clevenger, okay. Uh, Nick Pavetta or Gio Gonzalez? I'm picking on the Nationals for some reason. Um, he was uh, a former National. That's why. It's in my brain. It's seeped in uh, my brain. I'll say, I'll say Pavetta. Gio, Gio's starting to look like 2016 Gio every once in a while now. That's def- definitely not one that, that, that you want there. All right, so it seems like I, I, I can get behind all those. For someone that's said he's not as much on Pavetta as we are, you're still taking him over some guys that uh, that I think a, a, like a, a Pavetta naysayer would would definitely lean away from. But I think there's a lot to like here with Pavetta. Definitely someone like, to take a look at. He's not walking anybody. I mean, he's not walking anybody. Exactly. Uh, and that whip is really good. So I, I I do like him too. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get on our segue here then because. Uh, Ian, we'll stay with you and say Nick Pavetta or Jay Happ, our next guy. Who would you pick? I'm going to say Pavetta. Okay, well, let's talk about Happ. Uh, in comparison to Pavetta, he's also striking out a bunch of guys. His strikeout rate's up to 32%. Uh, Nick Pollock from Pitcher List wrote him up recently on the website, on, on Rotographs for us talking about what he does now it's weird because that strikeout rate is kind of eye-catching and then everything else, it maybe is distracting you from everything else around it where he's allowing 2.1 homers per nine and thus has a 450 era despite most everything else looking pretty good for j-hap now home run rates can be super skewed early on but he has i, I don't know that they are necessarily for him because he's given up a homer uh in every one of his outings including two two against the White Sox. And so I don't know if there's any correlation between getting these strikeouts, uh, if he's going for them and the home runs, but that has kind of mitigated the success and, and, and curbed the upside of those strikeouts. Uh, Jay Happ, 35 year old lefty going forward. Do you buy into this strikeout rate, Ian? And, and I, if not, uh, what do you really see out of Happ? I mean, I do buy into the strikeout rate. The problem I have is the division that he pitches in. You know, Tuesday he's going up against the Red Sox. And also, if you look at who he's striking out, he's striking out White Sox, Orioles, and Royals so far. Um, and he's struggling. The cream of the crop. What are you talking about? Yeah, man. Um, and he's struggling. He struggled against the Yankees. And he's going to have to face the Yankees and the Red Sox uh, quite a bit over the course of the season. He's good. But, uh, you know, if, if you're in that division, it's got to knock you down uh, a strong percentage point as far as I'm concerned. Because... You know, you're going to run into uh, you're going to give up six runs one day against the Red Sox in Fenway, and that's just the way it's going to be. Especially if you're toting a home run issue, that's that's the worrisome thing with Jay Happ. Uh, Justin, Jay Happ or Ian Happ? 
in a in a twelve team league right now. Okay. Okay. So how how do you assess Jay Hap with the with the big thirty two percent strikeout rate, but then but then the homer issue and what Ian brought up about the division, which will likely exacerbate or at least keep that homer issue to be a bit a, a problem of some sort. Uh, is he somebody that you're full fading um, when you take Ian Hap over him, or or is Jay Hap somebody that you have a place for but just not over Ian Hap? Hmm. I trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. Um, I think I'm, I'm not fully fading. I, th- I think the home runs may just be, uh, I think they'll come, come down. I mean, this is a guy who over the last, you know, few seasons uh, has, you know, been around one home run per nine. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that the home runs are going to continue to be, a major issue and the swinging strike rate is up a huge amount. So, I mean, I guess there is reason to believe that, uh, that maybe the strike route strikeout gains are, are legit. And the contact rate is down huge. I mean, he's down 10% on his con uh, on contact rate this year. So I think that maybe this is, uh, you know, some changes. I haven't watched him pitch, and so that's why I'm a bit more reluctant. I think this is a guy maybe I'm going to have to sit down tonight and really just watch his, uh, maybe his last two or three starts um, and kind of see. But it looks somewhat legitimate. I just have a hard time buying into a skill change at age 35 like this. Jason, is there anything uh, that that stands out to you from J-Hap that, that has you say, you know what? I'm going to buy in on this strikeout rate amidst some of the other issues, a high hit rate, which he regularly has, and then the home run rate, which is, again, super high right now, but always above one, which kind of puts you in that danger zone. Are you seeing anything that has you buying on J-Hap, or is this something that uh, is more of a cut and run? Uh, this is a cut and run for me. I mean, to Ian's point, the schedule, I mean, he has not played the, the best type of uh, lineup the uh, strength of schedule has been very favorable for him. If you look at the, uh, if you look at uh, what he's doing as far as pit, pitch mixture, when a guy gets this kind of surge and swing strike rate, you have to start looking for what's causing it. Uh, new velocity, no. New pitch, no. New pitch mixture, like he's using one pitch more than he's used in the past, no. None of those things are there. And so then you have to look at, okay, who's he facing? Why is this happening? And you look at the matchups that he's had, and two of the teams are the two worst as far as swinging strike rate on the season. And they've only faced him twice, uh, one each. So it's not like their swinging strike rate's terrible because they faced Jay Happ this year uh, a bunch of times. But right now, this seems to be more matchup-based than anything else for me, which is why I'm I'm selling at whatever cost I can get. I'm not complete discount, but this is why I'm not anchoring on Hap moving forward uh, to uh, at this rate. This is just uh, a, too much success, and a lot of it seems to be matchup based. All right, a lot of concern about Jay Hap, so maybe if you if you've got him, uh, maybe look to move those shares. And if you're in like a ten team mix, and you see a better streamer. You might be able to just cut him. I I don't know that there's anything about Jay Hap that says you gotta keep him. I like Jay Hap. I just don't. I I, I don't think he's going to be as good as he is right now. Sure. Moving forward, and I would trade Ian Hap for Jay Hap. <laughs> yes, would. you would. You would trade Ian for Jay. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt, I would do that and get myself a nice number five starter on my squad because I think you just don't want anybody else named Ian getting the shine, right? That's <laughs> what this really boils down to. Let's just be real. Up, man. All of us are, are struggling. 
It's, yeah, uh, let's, it's, let's let's just be real here. That, that's all right. I, the Paul Goldschmidt thing really bothers me. You know, can't you just be John Goldschmidt? Why do you gotta take my shine, dog? No, I, I feel you. I feel you, Ian. Okay, you don't want Ian Hap uh, getting too great and and becoming the most popular Ian right now. That, that I understand. Uh, Jason, we'll stick with you. Balake, Blake Snell. Um, Doing his thing, you know. There, there was definitely big hype for him, and so far, I think we've seen some some strong results. And and you know that the 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 proponents are wanting to, to declare that W. Uh, and there's a lot to like. Are we seeing the beginnings of a breakout year from Blake Snell? Uh, the beginning started last year. Uh, I mentioned this before Wait, uh, yes. before you joined, but last 15 starts for Balake, 8-2, two, 274 ERA, 1.01 1. Like 1 whip. Record. Uh, I'm just running the fantasy numbers. <laughs> 263 weighted on base average, 23, uh, 26% strikeout rate, 193 batting average against. If I were to take away the name and run those numbers, Everybody's like, oh, hell yeah, I am all in. And then you realize it's Blake Snell. Uh, you know, I watched last night's game, and one of the things that's really stood out this year is the command of the fastball is allowing him to get ahead and then do what he wants uh, and put batters on the defensive. And we've talked often about it's not the first pitch strike that's important. It's get it's that third pitch in a, in a, in a, in a, at bat. I mean, the difference between being up 1-2 Versus 2-1 is a big swing and a plate appearance. And right now, he's wanting that race uh, to get ahead by that third pitch and then uh, by the third pitch and that plate appearance and then allows him to use the slider that really has some nice shape to it this year and it's fallen down into the zone. Uh, he's using that slider to catch first pitch strikes uh, and put guys uh, on the defensive right away. And uh, forty-eight last 48 guys faced zero walks. I mean, there were times he couldn't go five batters without walking uh, multiple guys last year. But since that demotion last year and him coming back, and once he got that first W under his belt last year, uh, he's been pitching to the guy that we expected when he first came up. And, and right now it's fun to watch. I don't think a lot of guys got him on a discount, uh, but he no, is absolutely – yeah, he's absolutely pitching like the guy a lot of people were touting because he's picked up picked up right where he left off last year, um, and, and is doing very well this year. Yeah, I think that second uh, that second half that flourish at the end kept his draft price, you know, pre- pretty high. Not not overly high one one seventy on average, right in between Clevenger and Taiwan Walker. Rest in peace, Taiwan Walker, uh, with the Tommy John. Called um, it. Didn't want people to think that he was dead. That's why I said. No, but last, uh, last week I said he, I said that was going to be a TJ. Yeah, the, the forearm. I mean, it's always always definitely a, a leading indicator that you have to be careful for. But yeah, with, with Snell, um, you, you paid, and, and so far it's working. Again, Ian, for for your your dynasty outlook, is Ian Snell or excuse me, Ian Snell? Wow, that's a throwback. Is Blake Snell? <laughs> you probably hated that one year that Ian Snell did some good stuff, didn't you, Ian? You were like, damn it, that Ian better. And <laughs> Ian he, Snell or Ian Akendo? I love an Ian. I love an Ian uh, doing well. I was loving Ian Kinsler. Always, always, always. Ian Kinsler, beast, beast. But okay, Blake Snell in the dynasty context. Uh, is he somebody that you would maybe dangle out there? Because I feel like you could get a substantial return, right? Big time well, prospect panning out right now. No way. You hold Blake Snell. You, oh, you don't, you don't try to try. Okay. I'm sorry. No. Blake Snell. If you, I remember last year in August, somebody flipped, got Blake Snell in a trade. And I was just like, God, that, cause you saw it coming, right? You saw it coming at the end of last year and coming into this year, Blake Snell, I wanted him everywhere I could get him. 
And he's just going to be, you know, he's, I'm a big Blake Snell believer in every way. You know, yes, he went into New York. There's one start and I was actually at that game and he struggled, right? And he was trying to pitch around guys and, and he really wasn't bringing it. But, you know, if you look at what he did against Texas, against Minnesota, even at Chicago where he was struggling with control a little bit, you know, 10 strikeouts, nine strikeouts, uh, the last one yesterday, seven innings, five hits, no walk, six strikeouts with the win against Minnesota. It's great, man. And he's – I would love to buy Blake Snell, but there's really I, – I don't know how you get him at this point without overpaying at this point. You, can, you can't. So if, you, if you're in a full rebuild and you can get th- you can get Jack Flaherty and Harrison Bader and uh, Miguel Andujar for him, okay, maybe – but otherwise, you, you may have yourself an anchor to a rotation moving forward, and I would stick with that. I'm Justin, Justin, you were the low guy, but that really uh, says more than, than is really the case because you had him at 61, I had him at 59, and, and Mike had him at 58. So that's, I mean, that's all the same. Jeff was the high man at 41 for Blake Snell. Um, I asked because, because you had him lower, and, and, and you and I, we weren't super high on him. Have things changed for you to where you you would now like if you were redoing your rankings, would he be up 20, 25 spots? Where where do you think he'd be right now in a top one hundred for you starting pitchers, Blake Snell? Where did I have him? Sixty one. Oh yeah, he'd be up forty spots. He'd be in my top forty at least. He'd be up twenty spots then. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, okay, okay. So spots. you got him in. You'd have him in your top forty. I'll throw some names in your top forty that they may have also shifted, but let's just see if if he's over them. Um, John Gray, who he had at 35 versus Blake Snell. Ooh, I'll take Snell. Stroman, who he had at 36, who's obviously been having some interesting I'll, struggles I'll with take, his walk rate. I'll take Snell. Okay, and then finally Michael Fulmer, who you had at 39. I'll take Fulmer. Yeah, you damn right you will. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> Uh, I, I would move him up as well. Uh, like I said, I had him at 59, so basically the same ranking as Justin. Um, you know, I said he went right by Clevenger. That's who I had him right behind. And, and Dylan Bundy, who I was definitely too low on. Uh, that was, Jason loved it, Dylan Bundy. Uh, but, yeah, I'll have, I'll, I'm going to be doing a, a May update. I'll have Snell in the top four as well. I don't know exactly how high, but uh, I like a lot of what he's doing. The back-to-back, no walks. Uh, in the starts, that's really impressive, and it's it is just two starts, but it's it's big. It's got to be a big stepping stone for him because walks are always the issue uh, with Blake Snell. All right, let's finish up here. Joey Lucchesi. Let's start with uh, let's start with Ian here. He throws something called a churve, which is the greatest word ever. It's a changeup curve, um, and I. I was wondering what the hell was going on with his pitch mix because I kept hearing about a curve and then I go to our, our pitch type and it says it's uh you know, basically 3% curve and otherwise fastball changeup. Well, it is because he does have a curve, a, a changeup curve that he kind of manipulates in different ways. And uh, so he does have three pitches, even though it kind of looks like two pitches, but he throws 90, got a little funk to the delivery that, that helps him with deception. He's been amazing through 20 and uh, for about 22 innings, 30% strikeout, 5% walks, 166 ERA, 0.97 whip. Ian, what the hell's up with Joey Lucchesi? He's really good, but but I have to say I got Snell over Fulmer, guaranteed. Definitely Snell over Fulmer. You got yeah. Snell over Fulmer? Okay, well, no. you, you, have, you brought your bad takes today. That's fine. Uh, we'll, there we you go. I'm adding that bad take to it because I'm, I'm strong on that. Um, 
Lucchese is, uh, you know, he showed it all the way through the minor leagues. He, this is what he was showing. The, the one that really caught my attention, the first one, I happened to be watching him home against Colorado, and he was making them look really silly. And I was like, oh, wow, what's up with this dude? And then I followed that up by watching him in Colorado. And yes. he was unbelievable, man. The I mean, curve I was, was working. Jeez. I was like, who? Joey Lucchese? Joey, <laughs> Joey Luyesi, man. Like, <laughs> the way to go um i was very 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 impressed by what i saw and then he followed it up against uh, the beloved giants with another win and it's like look you're in the right park you're uh you're gonna get the opportunities he's definitely worth uh you know i don't have him as high as snell but it goes back to like why jason's a huge fan of dylan bundy coming into the season why i was really high on bundy it does have something to do with the prospect status of these guys you know you see blake snell coming forward and being a top 30 pitcher now top 35 pitcher Bundy as well. These are guys who were top 10 prospects in baseball. And if you know your prospects and you can then see them go through their dips in there, it's like they're eventually going to find their way, hopefully, you know, not always. But Lucchese, yeah, he should be owned in all all formats as far as I'm concerned. Jason, how long is this going to last with Joey Lucchese? I have my doubts on how far it's going to last. I know we talked about Lucchese last weekend, and I, I fully admit it, I had not yet watched him pitch yet. So I sat down and watched him pitch uh, last Sunday on, on a game. And then I was like, okay, I, I get this. Now I see where the difficulty is. Uh, you know, I, when I when I talked on the Fantrax podcast this week, I kind of mentioned it reminded me of Sid Fernandez, where the velocity readings don't do it justice. you got to watch him pitch. And Lucchese definitely hides the ball very well. Uh, and it kind of sneaks up on hitters. You see a lot of... Uh, a lot of late swings on 90, 91, sometimes yes. 92, even by like really good guys. He made he made uh, McCutcheon look terrible. Uh, just a lot of really late swings on that kind of thing. So that's what that's what stands out to me. I, I still do have the concern about the increased exposure as things go around. Uh, when you're talking about a, a pitch right now, people are like, okay, what do I kind of do with it? And I don't mean to bring the, all things back to Tampa Bay, but this reminds yes, me do. of Matt Andrees last year because he has a similar pitch. He throws a, a cutter changeup. You look at his, the way he grips it and the way he throws it and can make it move two different directions. It worked early on, but as the season went on, the pitch lost its effectiveness, and so has he. Uh, I, Lucchese has a higher pedigree than Matt Andres does, but I think right now this is a lot of Wow, I'm having a tough time seeing this guy. I don't really know what to do with this pitch. Uh, let's revisit this in the second half as he's had some more exposure. Right now, I, I like we said earlier, ride things out and see where it goes. Uh, but I still do have concerns about him long term. Yeah, sure. And I, I, I think that's a big part of it, too. I think there's too much focus on whether or not uh, a guy's going to be the uh, rest of the year keep. What you know, you're looking for Mr. Right. How about Mr. Right now? Right? You, you're not right. always picking up everybody and saying, I got to have them on the team in October. Sometimes you're looking for a guy and you, you know damn well that it's going to be like uh, maybe a month. And I comped, I comped him to Jason Vargas in terms of just the, the performance in comparison to Vargas's year last year. And that when you really see it fall off in a, in like a back-to-back start situation, then you can jump off. Do not, I wouldn't jump off at the first sign of trouble, the first bad start. I wouldn't get rid of Lucchese. I, I would, you know, ride it out, see what happens on the bounce back. If he has another bad one, 
then I think you jump off. And if you kind of played it that way last year with uh, uh, with Jason Vargas and say you picked him up after the first three starts when he had a .44 ERA, and then you just cut him after the two sixes that he had in early July, you would have gotten 15 starts of a .367 ERA off the wire. That's pretty damn good, right? So you can view it in, in more short term. And I think too often people get hung up on the long term and say, well, I'm not going to keep him forever. So I just won't pick him up. I think that's kind of stupid. Uh, Justin, Joey Lucasi, what are your, what are your, what are your general thoughts on this guy? And as far as his uh, viability here in the short term, I think uh, a lot of times uh, I and other people in the fantasy industry, but recently I uh, get a lot of heat for not admitting when they're wrong on a guy. And so I'm going to do it. I, I think I was wrong on, on Joey Lucchese. I think he's better than I thought he was uh, when we talked about him. Did we talk about him last Sunday or last Thursday? Yes, we talked. yes. I think we did with, with Jason. And, and I we think, did. And, and I said that uh, he isn't super special. Um, and I don't think he's necessarily super special, but I think he can keep some level of this up. The control is really, really nice, and that's something I think I didn't take enough into account. Um, and – the the loss of uh, Danellis and uh, Lamette for the year, I think, solidifies him in the rotation uh, for the whole season. Um, there obviously will be bumps along the way, but uh, I, I sat down and, and watched that start against the Giants, and uh, he was really really impressive. And I, I I'm I'm buying it. Um, I think this is a guy that could probably put up a. Uh, mid threes ERA and strike out, I don't know, you know, nine per nine. Wow. Okay. Okay. So there's some Luke Casey love here. Uh, It's going to be interesting to follow. I think he's going to be one of those guys, you know, they've produced, the Padres have produced two of the biggest waiver finds so far with Luke Casey and uh, Christian Villanueva. Between those two, who do you expect to to be on on teams longer this year, Justin? Luke Casey. Ian? Villanueva or Lucchesi? Uh Lucchesi, but I like Villanueva and I love Tyson Ross. I love Tyson Ross too, but he, unfortunately for those picking him up this week, if you're playing one of those leagues where you have to use the guy when you pick him up, he's going to Colorado. So yeah, that's uh, why I, I didn't put a bid on him in Towers just because of that. Off of 195,000 pitches. Yikes. <laughs> uh, Jason, Lucchesi or Christian Villanueva? Slightly to Villanueva. The other thing on Ross, it would have been we almost had no hitters on back-to-back nights uh, if Frenchy Cordero could have just done a decent effort on catching that fly ball. I, I mean, mean I saw, I saw Statcast didn't get it. Statcast said that catches a ninety-nine percent probability. That's so tough. Ninety-nine. That's <laughs> just, so tough to take he read, for him. He misread it. He took a step yep. in, and then he had no chance. Yep. It was, he, he was, it was beat. He was beat before. He ever really uh, before the ball ever really got there in the outfield. I think I, I agree with Ian on that for sure. Uh, all right, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Ian, what are you, what are you up to? What, well, what, what, what do you got coming I'm, out here? I'm uh, I, I just did a, a movie called The Magnificent Myersons with um, uh, Richard Kind played my father and Kate. Oh God, I can't remember what her last name from Orange Is the New Black. Um, Kate, oh, forget her gotcha. name. She was my mom. And it's a, it's going to be a nice film that that'll be coming out soon, and we're the three stars of the movie and an episode of uh, Quantico that I got to do with Priyanka Chopra, which oh, was very cool. Yeah, man, we spent I spent eight days with Priyanka Chopra every day. Uh, Kate McCluggage. 
is her name. Cool. I, we, we, we oh, no, Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew. That's it. Kate Mulgrew. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there she is. There she is. I was going to say Kate. Kate Mulgrew. She's a tough lady, but we. She played the Russian chef, right? Is it Russian? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Orange She plays Red. Yeah, she's red. She's a badass. So that's right. awesome. She said she, and she taught me how to do a really good Russian accent on set one day, which I'm That's awesome. And, yeah. and Richard Kind, uh, if people don't know the name, you it's would know City. him. You would see oh, him. Yeah, uh, you, you've seen him everywhere. He played the big uh, Bing Bong in Inside Out, by the way. He voiced he Bing did, Bong. It's his, he says to me, he said to me, he said, you know, when I'm dead, um, it's going to be all be about Bing Bong for me. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. It is, too. However, I could just hear him like talking neurotically. It's all going to be about Bing Bong. He's what he said. But no, the funniest. Even I, I went in one day because do you guys watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Of course. Okay, so the, the to me the funniest scene on Curb Your Enthusiasm, which everyone listening when this podcast is done, press pause, then go to YouTube and put in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mother dies, and there's a scene where Larry David comes back to his father. And his father, and he was in New York, Larry David was in New York shooting a movie with Martin Scorsese, and his mother dies, and they don't call him to let him know, so he doesn't make it back for the funeral, and Richard Kind is in the scene, and it is the funniest three and a half minutes of anything in the world, so uh, just put in Curb Mother Dies. I've already that's, got it ready to go. That's the best take I've got. That's, that's, okay, that's, that's fantastic. I think we're going to end it on that. I mean, I, I don't know why I give a crap about what Justin and Jason are up to. Let's end it on that. <laughs> Ian, thank you so much for being on. Jason, so what's fun. the what's the schedule like uh, next week? What are we doing? Schedule next week, uh, I can do this from my hotel room because I am going to be at the Rays Red Sox game at Fenway that day. Fantastic. Uh, traveling the morning. So uh, it would have to be an evening recording uh, for me to be available Sunday. Okay. Justin? I already know what you're up to. You're doing everything, okay? Uh, you're putting together a terrible team in the the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, you're getting waxed by far superior uh, Rota players in in Tout. Uh, what other stuff are you failing at right now besides uh, your marriage? Well, it... <laughs> oh God, it's it's a good thing that Tout Wars is in a Roto league. So uh... I, I, I knew you were, I knew you were going to zero in on that, and I wish I'd have said something else. I just just said fantasy player. I said Roto. Mm. I messed it up. Go ahead, talk. Uh, oh God, I'm writing what four to five to six times a week at Fangraphs. Writing four to five times a week at Fantasy Alarm. Two to three podcasts a week here. Two to three podcasts a week over Friends Fantasy Benefits. Great invitation. When are you going to start podcast. doing stuff, though? That's yeah. the thing. Oh, and in about 45 minutes. So by the time people hear this, it'll be too late. But Sundays from uh, 2 to 4 for the Tout Wars Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. That's actually two hours, but okay. That sounds great. Again, uh, if, if you're having trouble getting your fill of Justin's takes, uh, then you're just not trying. You're simply just not trying. Guys, I thank all three of you for, uh, for, for a great show, and Ian will have you on again soon for sure, okay? Let's, uh, let's, let's not make it too long. Let's say like uh, within, within about six weeks' time. That was great. Or, always, this is this is uh, whatever other uh, whatever other podcast I do. This is always like my home base, and I, I always. That's it. right, and don't forget that other podcasts. <laughs> All right, on that note, we leave. See you guys.
Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.